All right, welcome back in here on the Blitz 1170. It is Friday, 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 whereas the kids call it a Friday here on the Blitz. This is the show. My name is Jeremy Poplin, Colby Daniels alongside Scott File. Hope everyone's had a good week so far heading into the weekend, and we welcome in Dr. Chris Crane from Tulsa Bone & Joint. Check him out online, tulsaboneandjoint.com. Dr. Crane, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Um... I do have a little bit of a bone to pick, though, with uh, Mother Nature as it gets super cold. And then Wednesday, we might as well have been like in San Diego. <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday, it was nice for being in Oklahoma. And then today, uh, the hammer got dropped on us again this morning. So the up and down temperatures, no bueno as far as I'm concerned. It's funny what minus 10 will do to your sense of perspective because then it's 40 and sunny and you think, this is fantastic. I, I don't even need my hoodie. I just got shorts. It's fine. Uh, and then we're right back down to minus 10 again. So uh, it's it's definitely a very uh, back and forth this winter. So is that why people that live up north, when they have a significant heat wave during the summer, they're just so used to, their bodies are conditioned to cold temperatures. When it's 91, they're like, oh my gosh, we might as well be on the surface of the sun right now. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely an acclimation phase uh, that, that you go through, and then you, you get pretty well adapted to wherever you're living and what you're used to. And so they, uh, they don't... Uh, have the same weakness we do when it comes to cold. I say that minus 10 is rough for anybody, but, yes. um, but they, they do get more used to it for sure. I think for the first time that I have ever seen, it was uh, cold enough where my car was having, like the heater was having a hard enough time, like keeping up with the temperatures outside. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. The thermodynamics, yeah. it can only heat the air so much. And so at some point you, you're fighting an uphill battle. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I, I will, I'll acknowledge that in Antarctica, it is technically summer right now. It was 33 degrees in the uh, Antarctic when we were dealing with our minus 10 lows. So they uh, they had us beat by quite a lot. Yeah, that's right. It's it is summer in Antarctica. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, I uh, I sent you um, some stuff on Mark Andrews. Since I have sent you that, the Ravens have gone ahead and made it clear hey, he's really not going to play. Now, at the beginning of the week, they had said, Mark Andrews is full go in practice. That's a completely different scenario, and we've discussed that before. And then Jim Harbaugh, Jim, John, his brother, this week, head coach of the Ravens, it was yesterday, at their press conference, kind of threw everyone off a little bit, and everyone started saying, okay, well, maybe this means that he's not going to be available because he said, quote, chances of playing were up in the air, uh, a little dicey. We're we're not very optimistic right now. So Mark Andrews is coming off of uh, cracking his fibula and sustaining a, a ligament damage uh, in his ankle as well. And this goes back to week 11. They performed a procedure on it, and he's been going through different types of processes to try to get this back and healthy. But let's just start from the time frame there and the type of injury that we're dealing with here that seemed like that it was going to be a little bit of uh, wishful thinking that he would be available at least here during this round of the playoffs. Yeah, I think we saw this in, in other uh, athletes as well, just trying to really push that timeline. It really just comes down to the healing in the area, and, and you can't rush that. You can't necessarily accelerate that. The body's on its own time. Some of the things that they try to do, I think you mentioned the hyperbarics, uh, as, as, as a strategy that can be used for any kind of chronic wound, uh, and they'll use that 
to try to get more oxygen available, oxygen being very important for healing, and the area that's healing typically being low in oxygen compared to its need. It's, it's trying to heal. It's trying to do way more than normal healthy tissue, and so it needs even more uh, oxygen and energy to do its job. So hyperbarics are one thing that can be tried, and, and, and especially in chronic wound care, you'll see that be a strategy that gets used. Um, and PRP injections are another thing that's sort of an up-and-coming uh, thing to try to add more healing factors that are normally present in blood to draw those out and then spin it down and re-inject it, but in the area that you need to put that healing, to kind of bring those healing factors uh, in instead of waiting on the blood flow to do it, you just kind of deliver it yourself. All these are things that we try to do to accelerate these timetables, and, and in really, truly, in reality, I think we make a very small difference at most, and really, truly, it takes a while to heal from these sorts of things. Okay, so people might not remember... Uh, we knew at one point in time because Mark played here in Oklahoma, but Andrews has type 1 diabetes. So how does that factor into his ability to heal compared to other athletes that do, that do not suffer from that? Definitely a, another obstacle for him to overcome. Type 1 diabetes and type 2 both lead to a disproportionately high amount of blood sugar. Even when you control it well, uh, although the, the implantable devices are getting really pretty pretty neat and efficient at it, in general, you've got times when your blood sugar is higher than if your pancreas was doing this all the time. And so those blood sugars are just caustic. I mean, it, sugars have tons of oxygen atoms in them. They are very oxidizing. It is a little bit like a fire on the inside of your blood vessels. They are very damaging to small areas. And so you see this with nerves, you see this with capillaries, and they slow down healing processes. They make it so that uh, infections are more likely. And you see this with uh, surgeries as well. You want as good of a blood sugar control as you can get, because the less control you have, the more likely an infection. It definitely slows down healing in, and especially in distal areas like hands and feet. So we brought up the hyperbaric chamber. How much has that changed here in the last 15, 20 years, just with not only the use, but the idea? You know, there for a period of time, it was like, oh, well, I, I mean, I'm using this example because it's the only thing I can think of. You know, Michael Jackson sleeps in a hyperbaric chamber. I mean, I don't know how many times I heard that as a kid or just <laughs> uh, just a variety of things. Um, this seems to be like a more common practice now. It's just one of the different modalities that we see now with with treatment i mean this is along the same line of of what red light therapy or uh, cryotherapy or or anything else that goes along how, how much of this has been now incorporated into kind of general practice with with athletes well, and with individuals this is something that's been around it has its definite proven uses it's it's not quite so uh soft on the science of some other things that we kind of talk about, like cold laser therapy and things that are a little murkier in terms of how effective they are. This has been used, obviously, in things like carbon monoxide poisoning. This is something that you'll use in, again, chronic wound healing. That's something you will see in diabetics. Uh, with skin ulcers or things that just have trouble healing, you can use this to try to enhance that and bring more oxygen straight to the area. And so this is something that gets used a fair amount of time. It is definitely also growing as they try to expand that application and see if that's effective for additional types of 
injuries or, or processes. And so it gets added to the list of things that people want to try when they're being paid millions of dollars to try to accelerate their healing timetable. And in some cases, it's perfectly reasonable. And other times it's like, well, maybe it'll help, maybe it won't. The last uh, thing that I want to bring up here is I sent you this video of, of Tyler Higby. Uh, it's a hit that he took from a uh, Detroit Lion player uh, who basically tried to chop his legs out from underneath him and complete a tackle. This evolved into a conversation actually on the broadcast about these types of hits. And we can sit here, and I feel like this one got lost in the shuffle a little, a little bit because I don't know if you saw the video of Patrick Mahomes' helmet after he took the hit and a piece of it flaked off. Uh, and the plastic cracking, of course, in the extreme temperatures there, I still make the argument the helmet actually did its job there because Patrick Mahomes did not suffer a concussion. It just looked bad. But this injury yeah. here got lost in the shuffle a bit. Um, the conversation was we put so much emphasis on shots to the head, and rightfully, sh- and rightfully so. This is not diminishing any of that. But it's hits like this that can lead to – significant injuries and Tyler Higby, by the way, he blew out two ligaments in his knee because of a hit like this, even though he walked off to the sidelines and people are like, well, look, he's walking. That that doesn't mean anything at all. So now he's going to, unfortunately, because of the timing of the, of the injury on this with a hit like this, he's going to miss the majority of next year, if not all of next year. And uh, I don't know how you take hits out of the game on this, but we don't really highlight enough tackles like this that can cause some really serious damage. Yeah, and we've talked a little bit about drop tackles. We've talked a little bit about chop blocks, things that are just tackles that have increased injury rates attached to them. And it's it's a little bit tough to study, but the studies that they show are just that there's improper ways to tackle and that they do lead to higher injury rates. And that's something that I know part of this discussion too is, oh, was it the turf versus grass? And it's like, yeah, that's part of it. But if the tackle technique's bad, you can lead to injury either way. And I think in his case in particular, I actually hadn't seen it till you sent it to me. It looked pretty harrowing. Um, it, that that type of tackle, I mean, his knee just had nowhere else to go. His foot's planted, yeah. his knee gets hit. It, it's what else can you do but lose those ligaments? And so I, I don't think that it's easy to make those kinds of conscious decisions as you're making the tackle of this is going to hurt his knee. Um, but you still need to be able to understand what techniques are going to be safe and which ones aren't. And I, I just think that one's pretty obviously going to lead to injury more time than not. Yeah, and I don't and, – and I'm glad that the conversation wasn't, hey, he was purposefully trying to hurt him. No, he was right. trying no, to make, no. a, make a tackle on that. I'm so thankful because you just never know in today's age what, what's going to get skewed one way or not. But it just – it, it comes down to, as you said, technique – and and training on the proper technique and that's not something that you can fix overnight that has to that has to start taking place at incredibly low levels to make just instances like that you know not legal within the rules of the game in order for that to change and that takes that that can almost take several cycles of of football and and generations of football players in order to get stuff like that potentially out it can, and you can never eliminate it completely. I mean, these are these are injuries that are sort of intrinsic to a tackle sport with that planted leg getting hit laterally from the side. This is something that's not uncommon, and you can't get it completely rid of, but I think that there's a balance to be struck between, you know, anything goes and you can't even do tackling anymore, now we're playing flag football. There's, there's got to be a balance where we appreciate that, you know, hurting your knee and being out for a year 
is not worth having this sort of tackle be allowed. And it's just sort of that, that discussion that we have to have. 918-392-1400 is the phone number for Tulsa Bona Joint. You can uh, go online and check out the website, TulsaBonaJoint.com, for all the different locations that they have available for you, treatments, all the physicians, resources, anything that you need, contacting them should you need surgery or uh, after-hours care. It's all right there at TulsaBonaJoint.com. Uh, Dr. Crane, have a great weekend, man, and we'll check in again with you next week. Sounds great. Stay warm. You as well. That is Dr. Chris Crane joining us here on the Blitz 1170. As we're streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app, we'll take a time out and come back with more next year on the Blitz.